Amen. 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 All right. Cool. Cool. Great. So, you know, um, for many of us, new beginnings are exciting. Um, uh, they're exciting. You know, like we have friends that just purchased their first home. And not only was it their first home, I mean, that, that's great enough to celebrate. But beyond that, it was it was a new build. And so, you know, I'm checking out all the rooms, new carpet. And and man, there's nothing like a brand new bathroom, man. Why is why, why did I emphasize that? Um, <laughs> brand new toilets, nothing like it. Sorry. Um, but yeah, brand new uh, house, new build. We, we had the privilege of being over to um, to uh, pray for them and bless that home and it was great. And then we have another set of friends who any moment now, they're going to invite a, a new life into the world. Like literally in this moment, you know, it could, it could happen. And so um, we're excited about that. And, and um, new beginnings are, are amazing. I remember when we started the church uh, five years ago next month, um, all, that, all that energy and and effort was put into starting the church that first Sunday, you know, getting people to the church. We moved in, we built our launch team, and it was like invite the city to the church and all that momentum there. And so um, it was great. It was great. But what I've come to find out is what we often are not prepared for is how to finish well. We we love new beginnings. We love starts. We love startups. Yeah. Anyone can start something, but um, not a lot of people finish too well. And so, like, when we launched, 130 people came. But then that next Sunday, there was only 40 people in church. I mean, this included kids, superheroes, and guests. It was just 40 folks. And I, I preached on the top of a ladder the entire time. I mean, I was like, man, we had 130. Everyone in the city's going to come. We're going to have 1,000. I got a 40 people came, you know what I mean? So, um, But even then, in that second week, the Lord started to deal with me five years ago about this idea of finishing well, yeah. right? So um, I'm 34 now, but what does it look like to uh, preach when I'm 84, Right. Not that I'll be the main guy every weekend. I think we would lose the youth if I were. Um, our church would start dying. But, you know, but what does it look like to train and develop pastors and leaders and send them across the region to, you know, to start their own churches or to start highlight churches? Or what does it look like to develop people and send them across the world? And when the Lord calls me to it, I can step up and deliver a message. But how do I keep myself healthy and, and sharp enough? So that 50 years from now, I'm doing this and I'm effective. And so I want us to think in terms of that as we go through this message. Are you thinking about, and you can write this down, am I thinking about finishing well? Right? Um, we can birth a child, but are we focused on sending that child out into the world to make impact? Um, to find their calling and, and, and to, change, to change the world. Um, a lot of us, we think about the marriage, right? We think about, man, I, I wish he would propose to me, or, man, if I propose to her, is she going to say yes? But are we thinking about legacy? Are we thinking about being committed to this person until the Lord calls us home, or is it just the ceremony? You know what I mean? Um, we think about our career, but 
are we thinking about leaving the company in a better place in five years or 10 years as we move on to the next company or a new industry? Are we thinking about the end, the end? And so once again, it brings us to this place of time mastery. Someone say time mastery. Let's go ahead and give a definition to it. We are a note-taking church, so if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. If you're not, go ahead and write this down. Um, time mastery is understanding the value of time and effectively using it to thrive in every season. Understanding the value of time and effectively using it to thrive in every season. In this time mastery thing, the Holy Spirit really pulled me towards this idea last year when when the lockdowns first started to happen because the general response to the lockdown was to, all right, let's stay home and let's chill, right? We can't go anywhere. Um, And we all did that at a certain level, but the Holy Spirit said, you're not going to do that. You're going to really take care of your time and then you're going to be thriving next year as the world is ready to get back on their feet. And that's, that's cool. You were where you were, but that, that was what the Holy Spirit led me to do. And so um, th- this is the big thought right here. Go ahead and write this down. That if you don't keep the end in mind, then you're going to misuse your time. If you, don't, if you don't keep the end in mind, you won't invest into your marriage how you should. You, you won't invest into, into your children how you should. You, you, you'll just kind of, hey, as long as I got a DRC and as long as I pass and I get my degree, I mean, that's cool, right? But you won't study how you should. You, you, if you don't keep the end in mind, remember last week we said in order to even care about something like time mastery, which is extremely biblical. I mean, when we read the Bible, it starts out the first three words there are time in the beginning. Very important. But in order to care about time management, time mastery, you have to have a strong desire for better. You got to, there has to be something there where you allow the Holy Spirit to say, or to to ask you, do you want this part of your life to be better? And you got to give them space to ask you that. And hopefully your answer is yes. And then what you can begin to do as you look at your future and the potential of it being a better future in every area of your life, um, then you reverse engineer and you start from today. But you keep the end in mind so that you don't misuse your time. You've heard the old adage, um, time is money. Right? Well, it's not. Time is not money. But I think the idea, though, is that time is valuable. Time is valuable. Time is valuable, and he is cute. He's very cute. Cute guy. Okay, this is heavier than first experience. I don't mind it because it's money. All right. So... Oh, man, I was studying for this message, and I came upon something that broke my heart. (laughs) Um, And I've been guilty of this, but uh, over the past few months, I've gotten better. But they say that the average American spends two hours and 21 minutes a day 
on social media. If the camera can't see it, this is a trash can. It says future in the front. Future. Two hours and 21 minutes a day on social media. Um, And if you do the math at the end of the year, that's 33 and a half days. I'm trying to be nice, Pastor. Me and the Holy Spirit are battling with my next words. Do I have the green light? The sheer stupidity of that is ridiculous. We're not talking about people who have their businesses. We're talking about the average American. A month and some change, scrolling, uh, liking, commenting, disliking, unfollowing, petty. Um, I'll unfollow you, but I'll visit your profile because I'm nosy. Um, Okay, is that good? Okay. Y'all laughing because all us guilty of that. What they up to? Whatever, they're still happy. Um, <laughs> oh, put your hands together. Is this good? We're all guilty of it. Um, um, medicating. Um, escaping. A month and some change. And uh, I think the idea of time is money is more of time is valuable. And anything of value, you have the freedom to invest, right? And when you invest money, you're investing for a return in the future. And so how you use your time will dictate the quality of your future. How you, how you use your time today will determine the quality of, quality of your life tomorrow. And so you, you got to ask yourself, um, uh, should I keep on with the two hours and 20 minutes a day on social media? Um... Should I just kind of wing it for the rest of my life after I get off work every day? Just, yes, I'm off work. Um, Should I sleep in another Sunday? And the church is 10 minutes away, but I'll just catch it online. My views might drop, but that's okay. Um, should I spend time with this knucklehead and well, whatever <laughs> um, you already know what's the deal there he ain't serious um, you know I just pastor said to get my momentum planner I still haven't done that yet he said, get my full focus planner and plan my night out, you know, hour the night before, plan my next day out. No, I haven't done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? 
just, you know, what's wrong? Y'all are. Um, just, you know what I mean? Or maybe consider um, time blocking just five minutes for prayer every day. Like intentional prayer, not this like in the car, Lord be with me before I go to work. God's like, okay. But five minutes. Um, 15 minutes of scripture. Just every day. Just a section. It can be 10 verses. So God can talk to you. Um, quality time with my babies. Where I put the phone away for an hour. And I time block me and my children. Like I'm, I'm fully here for homework. I'm fully... We're going to go get some ice cream, just me and you. I'm going to leave, leave the phone in the car because nothing is as important as you are. You know, you're either investing, and, and so a lot of people will, you don't want to wake up 55, 35, 25, and, and wonder, where did my life go? My teenagers, right now, you don't want to wake up when you're 21 and wonder where, where did it go when, when you, you, you have the opportunity to get a little discipline and, and invest into, into your future. And this is the thing about this. You see how little this entry point is for investing into your future? You see how succinct that is, how intentional you have to be about that? And how careless you can be about this. How big this is. It's just. It is so easy to throw away your life. And so just how you use your time today will determine the quality of your life tomorrow. Let's, let's review from last week. How to master time. Okay. Let me give you those six steps again. You ready? Remember this. Number one, write your vision and establish your goals. Number two, use a planner. And in groups this week, I'm going to release the leaders to um, share the link with you about the Momentum Planner so you can have that resource. And just, just try it this week at, at a certain point. One evening, schedule out your next day, every moment. Of your day. Use the planner. Define your priorities. What's important? What's important? Number four, create time blocks. We're going to dive deeper into time blocks today. Create time blocks. Number five, take action. Take action. For hard work brings profit. Spiritual profit. Physical profit. Financial profit. Hard work. You got to take action. Number six, recognize daily wins. Encourage yourself. 
You got two or three things done today. You checked them off. You're winning. You're a winner. Okay. So I want to give you, I want to give you a definition for time blocking. We're going to dive deeper here. And here's the definition. Write this down. Effectively planning every moment to fulfill your daily priorities. Every moment. Effectively planning every moment to fulfill your daily priorities. Give you some steps here. What you got to do is you got to break those quarterly goals down into months. Into months. Break them down. Break the months down, write it down, into weeks. What is your goal? Have have a long-term vision. Where's your life going by Christmas? Break it down into months, into weeks. Break the weeks down into days. Break the days down into hours. Break it down. I want to give you some biblical examples of time blocking. So y'all don't think there's some kind of new age teaching. (laughs) All my seasoned Christians, they'll leave and they'll say it was new age. It's not. In the beginning, (laughs) God created time. Here it is. Joshua 3.1 says this. You ready? Early the next morning, someone say early. Early. Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Someone say before. Before. So Joshua was the leader of two million people and they were about to cross over into the promised land. A land that God had promised them for over 40 years. A land what God said flowing with milk and honey. And as you can see, Joshua being the leader of two million people, he's very intentional about them needing to be in position before crossing over into the blessing. So he would have sent out memos and emails and text messages telling everybody, consecrate yourself, pray Purify yourself. Don't be with your wives tonight. All that stuff. Don't, God's about to show up and then meet me here in the morning at 5 a.m. because of what God is about to do. We can't swim across this river, but we, we need to be on time. Let's go to Daniel 6.10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, Daniel was being persecuted for his faith. So this was a judiciary uh, situation. It was a political law that was set in place. Daniel was serving God. He wasn't going to serve the culture. And so he was getting in trouble for his faith. So Christians, be ready for this, okay? But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. Someone say usual. Usual. In his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Uh, Solomon said, if you would pray towards Jerusalem, he asked God when he built the temple. He said, God, if they would pray, wherever my people are in the world, whenever you scatter them because they have not repented, whenever their lives are all over the place because they're caught up in sin, whenever they pray towards Jerusalem, Lord, hear their prayers. So Daniel, Daniel is a servant in Babylon right now because of unrepentant uh, Israelites, and he's serving under a demonic king who serves idols. And what he's doing is he's following the word of God and he's praying towards Jerusalem just to let you know that when you exit our double doors, Jerusalem is pointed in that direction. So anytime you leave the church, you're exiting in the favor of God. So every time you leave, you ought to say a little prayer as you leave church. Jerusalem is in that direction. 
with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Here it is. He prayed three times a day. Someone say three times. Three times. He's about to get arrested. And y'all heard the story. Um, Daniel and the lion's den. Three times a day. That's what's about to happen later in the chapter. He's going into a den of lions. And it says this, just as he had always, someone say always, always. done giving thanks to God. Just as he had always done. And see, you, you got one or two options when I ask you just set aside five minutes for prayer. You, you can either feel like the toughest situation in your life is like trashy. This sucks. Oh, my God, this sucks. We all get bad news. I get it. We all get some struggles. But that, th- th- this doesn't have to be the theme of, of every tough situation in your life. So, sometimes you just got to prepare. See, see, this is what it is. It says, as he had always done. Someone say always. always. So when he, was, when he was taken from Jerusalem and brought to, to Babylon, he was 15 years old. So three times a day. Blocking every day, morning, noon, and night, he would pray. And I love the Bible. We don't know if it was an hour. We don't know if it was two minutes. We don't know if it was 30 minutes. We don't know if it was two hours. We just know he had, he prioritized the presence of God in his life for three times a day. Daniel 6, he's 81 years old. 66 years of faithfulness. Then he ends up in the lion's den. And the mouths are closed. As a result of just some practical time block. And then Jesus, Mark 135, says this. It says before, someone say before, daybreak. Someone say daybreak. The next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. You can read various gospels and you, you find Jesus often before daybreak, before dawn, at dawn, here, here. He was, he was, and he would often spend some time with the Lord. And then perform miracles. And then teach. And then call people to follow him. And then move on to the next city. And then. But he always had it time blocked. This is the takeaway. Write this down. It is number one. First, good stewardship of time. First, good stewardship of time. Then, breakthrough and big miracles. First, good stewardship of time, then breakthrough and big miracles. And if you can create a rhythm, have some discipline, by God's grace, create a habit of of planning your life out, you will see the Lord show up. Let me give you some benefits of time blocking. Y'all ready? Yeah. Some practical benefits of time blocking. Number one, write this down. Calendar clarity. Oof, I love this one. Calendar clarity. You're able to see what's ahead the next day. And you're not just entering tomorrow because it is Monday, just going through the motions of Monday. But, but you see, you know, I'm at school, I'm with this person, I got this meeting, I'm at work. Then when you get off or when you get out of school, you got that next thing you're moving on to. It's calendar clarity. What we often do is we'll go to work 
in the rest of the day. Right? It'd be like that. The rest of the day. I love that. It'd be like that. The rest of the day. Right? Versus saying, all right, I just got off work. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to get something in my tummy. And I'm going to do something that's going to push my life forward. I'm going to be intentional about the next four hours of my day. Right? I I remember... um, I remember laying out the theology of Highlight Church, the culture. We, we used to have 12 values, 12 values of Highlight. There's seven now. The vision statement used to be a whole paragraph. We changed that. I remember laying all that out because I worked the night shift at the hospital from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., which was really 6.30 p.m. to about 8.30 a.m., But I knew when I came in, well, I'm a secretary, so I'm going to be working from about 7 p.m. to about 9.30. The the patients are going to start going to sleep. So I got 10 o'clock to about 1 a.m. before I get hungry. I'm going to eat lunch. I'm going to take a nap. I'll wake back up between 3 and 4 a.m. to do some more work because 5 a.m., 6, uh, they're waking the patients back up. They're doing report, and i got to prepare for the next secretary to come in. But I had time blocked for like a year while the world was sleeping. I was building I was building the church. The Holy Spirit was building the church. And so I didn't know any of you, couldn't see you, but I had a plan. Didn't even know a granary row existed. Didn't didn't even know we were moving to really Gaithersburg at that time, but just just instead of going to work and and complaining because I got to work overnight and it's late and don't mess with me and get me my coffee and cussing people out. Brought a good old attitude to it. Some focused. Come on. Y'all don't want to clap right now. Y'all don't want to clap. What was that we said at staff meeting? You can either be a complainer or a comer upper. It ain't good English, but it'll preach good. You can be a complainer or a comer upper. But I had clarity. And man, let me tell you, I was excited to go to work. Because we had a newborn at home. That brother ain't never sleep. And I love my baby. But I'm like, this is crazy. I cannot wait to go to work. Because I can actually invest in what I love to do. Because it was planned out. Number two, optimal focus. Optimal focus. When you got time blocks, your, uh, your attention isn't pulled in multiple directions. And when it is, you can always draw back to the target. What, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Right now. Right now. If you know anything about me, I hate outside. <laughs> hate outside. I'm, I'm, so you got Jacob and Esau in Genesis. The Bible says that Esau was hairy and he liked to be outside. And it says that Jacob was a skinny jeans, coffee sipping, book reading, Barnes and Nobles going guy. And he was a swindler. I mean, he, he swindled. He swindled Esau. Esau hard working, rough. And he, he got the birthright from him. I'm, I'm an inside guy. And so yesterday, as, as, as my wife is getting beautiful and putting on her makeup and getting ready to preach and all that stuff, I am, I have time block. Judah has a game, 
and I don't do outside sports. Judah has a game. Then I got to drive over to Virginia, and Jay has a doubleheader. The sun, the trees, the bees, the bugs, the sweat, the... I'm supposed to be looking smooth all the time, Brandon. I got stains. You know? But I'll tell you what. I wasn't, like, lacking anything. Because that was the focus. I didn't want to be in my office. I didn't want to study because this was what I was devoting my heart and my time to being with my boys, to being present as a father. It's optimal focus when you time block. You know what you're supposed to do and you're focused. Number three, productivity. Productivity. Your efforts are concentrated. Your efforts are concentrated. I want to encourage you with this real quick. Um, Honor your limits. Honor your limits. Jason, give me two more minutes. Come up on desired results. Honor your limits. When you time block something, here it is. I'm giving you, I'm giving you some great stuff right here. If you time blocked it for an hour and a half, don't go over it. Don't go over that time. You are best when you, when you honor the time block. And you're human, so give yourself some grace. So if you got to go over, don't go over more than 15 minutes. Honor it. I know a lot of people who are, who are great on this first step of time mastery. They'll put what time they're doing something, but they don't put when they end it. I'm going to do that at 5 o'clock. And they're still doing the same thing at midnight because they've, they've, let, it, they've let it loose. You got to say, I'm doing it at 5, I'm ending it at 7. Correct. Your productivity, Correct. here it is, this is the thought, efficiency over activity. Efficiency over activity. Mm. And then number four, time block, benefit, desired results. Desired results. Jesus was so efficient. He healed 900 people. He said, well, I'm on to the next city. Follow me. Well, I got to go prepare this. I got to go. You just wasted five minutes of my time. I got to. He was so efficient. Told the disciples, go and prepare the room. We're going to have the last supper. At this time, this man will be there with a pitcher. Follow him to the room. Prepare the room. I'll be there. Efficient, 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 efficient. It's efficiency over activity. You're going to get desired results in every area of your life when you time block. Be it financial, be it spiritual, be it health. And this is the encouragement. You're able to keep track of progress. If you got something big that you're going after, like I said, from this stage to the wall, when you time block, you're able to say, well, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm like half, I'm halfway there. We, we, got, we got big dreams, big vision for this church. I was just telling my wife the other day, yeah, 20 campuses in 20 years, going to be five years old. We're losing some time. But if we play it well, it'll compound. I remember a day, like I said, you could throw up any big thing in this room. It, it would hit every chair in here because no one was in the seat to fill it. But as we've just taken it one Sunday at a time, one meeting at a time, one prayer at a time, one fast at a time, one flourishing at a time. When I remember first flourishing was like 50, 45 probably girls, ladies. And now you, you can't fit women in here. And it's the same thing with everything in life. You got to 
Got to schedule it out. And there's once a king named King Saul, Israel's first king. Yeah, when AWOL went crazy on God, God's like, I'm done with bruh. And so God said, I found a man after my own heart. And I used to think that that meant that David had the heart of God. It's it's impossible. We're human. What that means is is that David was always seeking God. And if you read David's life, he, he was always trying to align his mind, his heart, his will, and his timing with God. And David had some ups and downs, but about 80, 85% of the time, David got it right. And, and so he wrote this in Psalm 139. David wrote this talking to God about himself. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion. He's talking about pregnancy. He's talking about God making that child. I knew you before you were born. Mm. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Here it is. You saw me before I was born. Here it is. Here it is. This is why Time Master is so important. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment, someone say moment, moment. was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me? So this is the way I see it. This is the way I see it. When I, when I, when I, when I practice a little discipline, when I slow it down, when I ask the Holy Spirit to breathe on my time, to, to, to lead me and to guide me. He's made allowances for the bad things. He's made allowances for the bad decisions and what people have done and the bad things we've done. He, he has room in that. He didn't write any of that, but he understands that. He knows that what God wrote was the good stuff for you. And so what, what David is saying is, is that you, 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 you've, you've wrote, you, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day. What he's saying is, is that every breakthrough in your life has already been laid out. Every, every blessing has already been laid out. Every promotion has already, every promise has, every healing, every, every one of those moments has been laid out even before you were born. Even after he messed up with Bathsheba, God still had a plan for David. It was still laid out. He had to push some things back a little bit, but it was still there. Then he wrote, he wrote this in Psalm 16. He said this, verse 5, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. God, God purposes for your life to be blessed. And what I've come to find out about time mastery is that time mastery is the ongoing process 
of stepping into every promise that God laid out for you before you were even born. It's practical, but it's extremely supernatural. And, and he plans for the boundary lines of your life to fall in pleasant places. But you, you got to say, Lord, have my life, have my mind, have my time, guide me. And you'll begin to see things align in your life. If you were blessed by this word, put your hands together. <laughs> Hallelujah.